0: This is a story that takes place at SUNY Canton, a technical college of almost 3,200 students in upstate New York, like really upstate, just 17 miles from the Canadian border upstate. And it's rural. It's in St. Lawrence County, which land-wise is the biggest county in New York State, but according to the last census, it's just 111,000 people. And it's white, like really white. St. Lawrence County is just 2.7% black and 2.3% Latino, and it's poor. The numbers bounce around a little, but it's always in the top five poorest counties in New York state. And according to a 2016 report from the New York state community action association, one out of five adults live below the poverty line. And for children, it's one out of three. So like I said, SUNY Canton has just 3,200 students. And as of 2015, 64% of them are commuter students usually white people from the local community who live off campus. But on campus, it's a different story. That 36% of students who live on campus, two-thirds of them are Black and Latino.
1: It feels just like home. It's like the city over there.
0: That's Andre Lynch, my boyfriend and a recent SUNY Canton grad. And on campus, it is like the city, but a city of 18 to 22-year-olds. In the village of Canton, it's usually... 101.5 101.5 Classic Rock, or 102.9 Big Cute Country, but at SUNY Canton, it's hip-hop, bachata, and dance hall. You can get your hair cut in a dorm room, buy a plate of jerk chicken from Kennedy's Sweets, and attend house parties that rival Kid and Play. And SUNY Canton is a state school, and in New York State, that means that campus security isn't just security. They're actual police officers, like police police with tasers and guns and the power to arrest you. Their webpage notes that all of them are, quote, able to fully utilize an AR-15 assault weapon, end quote. They're called University Police, or UP. They're nine sworn officers whose duty is just to police the campus, the 1,500 or so students who live on campus, and anyone else who happens to show up. They're nine officers, real cops with real guns, and all of them are white. In fact, they've never had an officer of color. So this is our central question for this series. What happens when an all-white police force is charged with regulating a live-in population that's largely Black and Latino? I'm Erin Corbine. I grew up in St. Lawrence County. I'm a student at SUNY Canton, and you're listening to Jim Crow on campus. Canton sophomore Tyreek Alisea at his fraternity's house in the village of Canton. Inside, the living room was filled with fraternity brothers, all of whom relaxed on mismatched secondhand furniture. Tyreek and I found a quiet room to sit down and chat.
1: All right, um, my name is Tyreek Alisea. I'm 19 years old, current sophomore here at SUNY Canton College. Um, I'm on a clear major right now, but I'm headed towards business management. And um, I'm a new member of Delta Omega Epsilon Fraternity Incorporated.
0: Tyreek found himself at Canton after visiting the college on an annual bus trip. He immediately felt comfortable at Canton due to the diversity which is apparent at the campus. Tyreek acknowledged that his time at Canton has been an overall fruitful experience, with the exception of his interactions with university police.
1: Well, with university police, that's the only... um, bad experiences that I've had. Every interaction I've had with university police has not been a good one. You know, it's never like I could go up to them and start conversation because I feel like I'll be targeted. The first interaction that I've had with university police was my freshman year, and it was in one of the gazebos. And that's when officer um came through on a bike, um, Officer Cummings, he made like the females open up their purse and move their stuff around, you know, try to see if they could find something that was there, but you know, they didn't find anything on anyone. There was no evidence of any marijuana being in that gazebo besides the smell of marijuana. You know, so everyone still got got their IDs taken, um, their names written down, phone numbers taken, and everyone got a module for marijuana. I had to set up a meeting with my residence um whole director um at the time, I believe it I don't remember. It was the RD for Smith.
2: Okay.
1: Um, And I set up a meeting with him. He told me, you know, if you did at the wrong place, wrong time, you know, just try to, if you see something going down, just move away, you know, because it's just easy to get mixed up with, you know, a bad crowd, especially when I'm not doing anything. You uh-huh. know? So he kind of knew that UP targets people, if, right. even if it's the wrong place, wrong time, they really don't want to hear that.
0: Despite the officer finding no actual marijuana, everyone in the gazebo was written up. But let me step back for a second and just explain what's going on here. University police, or UP, they have all the powers of normal police officers. But since they're also employees of the SUNY system, they have additional powers too. They can write students up, give them these things that are like tickets, but they aren't really tickets since they're not a function of the court system, but the university administration. Afterward, Tyreek had to meet with his residence hall director, as well as the college conduct officer. As a result, he was required to complete a short online course on alcohol and drugs. It's called a module, and remember that since it'll come back later. And he was placed on administrative probation. Let's remember here that if Tyreek weren't a student at SUNY Canton, the university police would have to just let him go. But since he is a student, the police have additional authority over him. The authority to write him up without any evidence. And that write-up is what landed him on administrative probation. Okay, back to Tyreek. The
1: module for Marana consists of an online sort of class. You Uh know, where they have like a website that you go on and it's kind of set up like a PowerPoint, you know, slideshow type of website where it gives you all the quote-unquote facts about Marana that, you know, what it does to you, how it's a drug and why you shouldn't use it, why, you know, drugs is bad.
0: Tyreek explained that in order to successfully satisfy the module, students must pass a cumulative assessment.
1: You know, After that, they had me answer questions on what was shown to me, and when I got it
0: right, that was it. It was like $30 to pay $30. Test. So do you, what do, do you know what the $30 goes towards? No, I don't. Because it doesn't I seem like that would cost money. The module it, it doesn't. I if I type in if
1: I remember the link and I typed in it right now, it would still take me to that website. It's a free website. Only oh. thing is they had thirty dollars to get the website from them.
0: I can't seem to understand why this website would cost students thirty dollars. Thirty dollars every time university police insists a student smells like marijuana. I did a little math. According to statistics compiled by Courtney Bish. SUNY Canton's Dean of Students and VP of Student Affairs. In a one year span from 2012 to 2013, 610 students were adjudicated and disciplined. About 70% of these disciplinary actions were cited for drugs and alcohol. So we can surmise that approximately 450 students were made to complete the online module and pay the required $30 fee. This means that annually, Student's chump change amounts to a whopping $15,000 for SUNY Canton. Although Tyreek was told to stay out of trouble, he was in the system now. He was on administrative probation because of the write-up. Staying out of trouble seemed to be easier said than done.
1: Yeah, this year, um, on the first day, um, they came to my door, knocked on my door for the smell of marijuana. They thought that we were smoking in the room. But they came to the door, they said that the room was overcrowded, that it was, more than six people in the room. It was the first day back, you know, everyone was saying hi to everyone, trying to see all the new rooms, you know, there was nothing going on. There was a few girls over, you know, it was a chill environment. Everyone was just calm, there was no smoking going on in the room.
0: University police found no evidence of anyone smoking in the room, so this time they decided to let the students off. They did make everyone evacuate the dorm, however, because first day of school or not, university police have a job to do. Having an excess of six people in one dorm room is a serious matter. All jokes aside, Tyreek was quite relieved. He's still on a probationary period, so he's trying to avoid trouble. But university police found themselves at Tyreek's door again just days later.
1: The first day they let us off, and actually they came back on the third day of classes to my door again. This time for the same thing, smell of marijuana, but again there was no evidence of marijuana being in the room.
0: Tyreek recalled the officer telling him that he was called to his dorm because there was smoking going on. And once he got there, a small piece of evidence was apparently incriminating.
1: You know, what he said was, um, he saw a towel underneath the door, which indicated that I we was smoking, along with the smell. But my roommate actually had went into the shower and on the way out dropped his towel behind the door and just left it there. You know, there was many times where I had to pick the towel up front, you know, just to get off the floor. But... You know they thought um the towel was placed under the door because we were smoking, but you know it was no smoke, no fan on, the windows was closed, it was you know it was no indication at all that there was weed or smoking in the room.
0: Tyreek stood in the doorway of his dorm room and spoke to the officer for almost forty five minutes.
1: He tried to explain to me how, you know it's he's doing his job, and I told him I'm starting to feel targeted by U P because every time it's an interaction with them, it's. You know, never a good thing. Right. You know, there was always something about either marijuana or, you know, just them picking me out of the group. You know, I mean, no reason why they should have been at my door in the span of the first three days, two times.
0: This time, Tyreek was again referred to the conduct officer.
1: But they called me a few days later with an appointment and time to be there. I talked with her and She told me because there was no evidence that marijuana was in a room or that smoking was being taken place, that it was written off. And I was actually happy that it was written off because I was already on a probationary period from that first incident with the Mohawk Gazebo incident. Right. So I couldn't get in trouble for a year. And the whole time, the whole year from, I think it was October 6th, all the way till then, I didn't get in trouble and I maintained my, you know, good, Tried to stay away from UP, try to stay away from people doing illegal activities, you know, not to get my name caught up in any mix. Right. And um, for about a week or two before that to end, that probation period to end, UP was at my door twice already, for of marijuana, it could have put me in jeopardy of either getting removed from the dorms or, mm-hmm. you know, another referral, a home, and there was nothing going on. Right. You know, community service hours, it was,
0: Definitely puts your education in jeopardy, too, yeah. which is ultimately what everyone because is if at school for. you get kicked
1: out of campus, you know, all that money's down the drain.
0: Did you catch that? So Tyreek gets written up at the gazebos, gets put on administrative probation, and he has to stay out of trouble for a year. He wants to stay on campus. He doesn't want to get kicked out of the dorms, doesn't want to miss out on an education. But just before he's about to be off probation, UP is at his door, claiming they smell marijuana. It's remarkable to me that Tyreek even has to be burdened by these thoughts. Feeling like your place to live, where you rest your head every night, is in constant limbo. Feeling like with one wrong movement, your chance at an education is being threatened. This has to be so emotionally tolling on students who have to go through this. I know it would be on me, and college can be stressful enough. Tyreek has found a solution to staying out of the way of university police.
1: I mean, I don't step into gazebos anymore unless there's a Caucasian person present. You know, if it's a whole bunch of, you know, minority students in a gazebo, it's bound to have UP attracted there. Yeah. and Just stop by and see what we're smoking, even if it's cigars or cigarettes, you know, or even vape, like the, uh-huh. you know, the vape machine, yeah. the cloud. Um, you know, I won't feel safe if. You know, not a Caucasian person.
0: Before. Tyreek recalls another encounter with university police, this time as a witness. An officer believed that Tyreek's roommate was distributing marijuana from their dorm room. So he decided to investigate. Here's Tyreek again.
2: He
1: came inside the room and questioned us about um, a bunch of different things. Like He asked what was our majors, he asked what are we doing in here, just basically interrogators inside the room. He was in there without a warrant, but he was in there with my roommate's um, consent. But he didn't get consent to search anything without a warrant. So... What Kirsch had us do was open up the drawers in the room and he looked through with the flashlight without actually physically touching anything.
0: The officer was Brian Kirsch, a lieutenant at the University Police Department.
1: He told us how they've been watching the room for a while now and it's a lot of traffic coming in and out, but you know we have, we both have friends, he has a lot of friends that come in and out, we all play games, we was on the gamer floor. In the dorms, you know, we not have a lot of people coming in and out, back and forth, playing games. You know, it's not like we smoking or anything.
0: Tyreek explained that Kirsch was searching around the room, looking for something out of place, when he noticed a lockbox. It's not unusual on college campuses, where all kinds of people are coming in and out of your room. Roommates, friends, people from clubs on campus, study group mates. It was locked, and Tyreek's roommate had forgotten the passcode.
1: We tried to tell him, like, well, we forgot the combination. We don't know it. So he um, threatened to bring dogs up here, like the border dogs, to sniff out the room. He told us a story about how a few years back there was actually a time where someone who lived on campus got shot and and was killed, basically, by UP because, you know, he had drugs on campus and he found all that. He tried to leave campus. They chased him. And... You know, killed him. And he was like, "He would hate for that to Do happen Do you think again.
0: they were trying to intimidate you Yeah, guys? it
1: was definitely an intimidation factor that he tried to <laughs> use against us, trying to tell us a past story of what can happen. He said he would hate to have to go through that again.
0: I did some digging, and unless this story went completely unreported by the school and the media, then it's 100% false. What's worse is that Lieutenant Kirsch's remarks are eerily reminiscent of a mafia film. The whole... We'd hate to see what happened to the last guy happened to you intimidation approach. It's incredibly disturbing. Nonetheless, the officer didn't bring the Border Patrol dogs onto campus. What he did instead was hunt down a pair of pliers to bust open the chest. When he broke the box open, there was no evidence of a drug trafficking business inside. He still didn't believe the student wasn't dealing. Here's Tyreek.
1: He was very threatening. He was very you know, intimidating. He was trying to tell us that he was lying. I remember while he was asking us our individual majors, he said, okay, well, none of y'all are criminal um, investigation majors. But one common tactic that we learn in criminal investigation is that if you constantly look to the left, you're lying. So I have a feeling that you're lying and there's something going on in here.
0: If you're wondering if that's true, it's not. The idea comes from a 1970s pseudoscience called Neuro Linguistic Programming. A 2012 study in a scientific journal called PLOS One was the first to examine the idea that eye movement indicates deception. They found no correlation between the two. In fact, the authors called it, quote, irresponsible for such practitioners to continue to encourage people to make important decisions on the basis of such claims, end quote. At the end of our conversation, Tyreek reflected on his feelings about the department.
1: University police here at Canton, they act as if they are police. You know, I know they have certifications and qualifications to be police, but, you know, the university police, at the end of the day, it shouldn't be a reason why we shouldn't have a type of relationship with them since they are always on campus, protecting the campus. You know, it shouldn't be a reason why I'm scared to go into a gazebo and fear that UP is coming, even when I'm not doing nothing or have anything on me. You know, it should be a relationship where I'm able to, you know, say hi to the university officer, how was your day, ask about classes or something. You know, it's that relationship. We're all on this campus for a certain amount of time. We should get to know each other. You know, it's it's is where we're living for now, boy. I don't want to live in fear.
0: I'm Erin Corbine and this has been the first episode of Jim Crow on campus. Our producer is Christian Exo and we're a production of The Weave News online at weavenews.org. The Weave, weaving the world together, one underreported story at a time. Next time on Jim Crow on campus. I don't know how to explain it, but I got, I got that module and that led up to them illegally searching my bags